That's blog.voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Good day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Making More Money for You show. I am your host, Magnus Carter. Last week, we took a look at Drone Deck. We had... An amazing talk with Dan O'Toole, uh, the CEO and founder of Drone Tech. We learned that how the future is on our doorstep, literally going to be on our doorstep and delivering everything to us from uh, your Amazon package to prescriptions. And, and it's coming soon. Uh, and the week before, I wanted to give a shout out to Dan Markle. I wanted to say thank you for being on here with Burn 180 about how we can actually exercise on the go with your new invention and well that brings us here to to today this show is going to be a little bit more into the investing side of things especially with the market the way it is a lot of things have been going down spending's been you know being pulled back by everybody and for that reason uh the whole show topic is actually going to be about we lost money in in our investments so what do we do and I brought in a great analyst and investor, Ken Goldberg, which is the chief market strategist at DSETrading.com. Ken, thank you for joining the show. Glad to be here. Well, Ken, you know, you, you've been, I've been looking at your, your profile here. You, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you actually got into investing and, you know, what makes you... Uh, an authority figure on on your investing and, and your advice, especially with the, the items you do? Well, what makes me somewhat of an authority figure is pain and suffering that I've survived <laughs> for 35 years. And, you know, I've spent millions of dollars trying different strategies, tools, indicators, uh, whatever. And, uh, you know, there's there's uh, a saying on the CBOE, the Chicago Board Options Exchange, where I hone some of my tools, and that is, is that there's only two ways to learn a lesson, and that's with blood or money. Sometimes it takes both. Recording so in progress. I think, uh, you know, I think that's helped me a lot. But I came from the uh, big investment house, Drexel Burnham. From there, I went to the CBOE, learned option trading and risk management and then moved on to work with uh, Citicorp, Bank of America, and then from there ventured out and started teaching day traders and active investors really uh, two things. One, how to kill themselves slower, because remember during <laughs> during the, uh, the go-go times, people tend to kind of lose track of what they're doing. So how to slow down, think more, be more logical, understand, um, not necessarily when the best time to buy something is, which everyone can figure out in a bull market, but understanding when it's definitely not the best time to buy something, that's harder for people to get. So I spent a lot of time teaching people how to recognize when the party is a little bit too close to being over to, to, to pay the cover and get in there. Um, and that led me to um, being picked up by CNBC uh, I wrote for thestreet.com. I became their number one red analyst uh, for a couple years there and tried uh, founding and I ended up selling several different hedge funds using my what we call DSE, Decision Support Engine, basically some algorithms that are set up to do the stuff that we should all be doing before we buy or sell anything. All the, all the, uh, the flow chart running through the different options. It's hard to, as a human, with emotion and the markets moving and profits and losses, it's hard to remember, you know, the checklist, you know, the thing that the pilot gets out, walks around the plane and says, oh yeah, tires, check, fuel, check, you know, whereas most of us would just get in, push, go, hope we can fly it. Um, investing is, um, has a much better outcome when you have a checklist, you run through it every time, and based upon the answers to the checklist, you make your decisions. So, yeah, that that's where I am. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of, 
especially with uh, new investors coming into the mix and whatnot, they they don't understand all that. You know, I've been training for quite some time, not as long as you have at the moment. You know, but I'm gaining more experience every day, and you know, I'm making the same pains and and uh, decision making issues that you have made throughout your career, and that is one of the best tools that I have from actually investing. So when people are going into the investing, what is one of the top things to actually look for when, when deciding to, to choose an investment? How much you're prepared to lose. Um, there are times in the market, and I've studied the markets going back 300 years. There are times in the market when it doesn't really matter what you do. You could throw darts. Everything works. Those we love, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all geniuses, but right. not very many, uh, let's say five or 10 year periods are truly that easy. So that means we have to spend a lot more time calculating, is this risk worth the reward? Like I'd like to make money, but am I willing right. to lose half my money to make it? And how much might I make if I risk half my money? So what we like to think about is every moment, every minute, every hour, day, month, week, year, you're in the market, you're at risk, you're putting your capital at risk. So the opportunity has to be vastly greater than the risk during that time. And it's just not the case that often that um, the reward is worth the risk. So let's say you start off, let's say you inherited $50,000. Well, the market's screaming hot. I got to get that money in the market, right? It depends how much of the 50,000 you're willing to uh, lose over what period of time. So if you if that money is money you don't need for 10 years, yeah, you could probably put it in at any point and 10 years from now, you'll be better off. But if that money is money that you want to buy a house with in a year, that's really not the market's not the place to put that money because the market has many instances of one, two and three year periods where it goes down a lot. <laughs> so yeah, that's really what the, the number one question is, how much am I willing to risk? Okay, well, that's a great question to have. And right now we're actually in that that question, if you will, for people that are already investing. So my, I guess the next question would pro- the next logical question would be was like, when is it time to pull out? Yeah, well, <laughs> theoretically, the time you want to pull out is at the top. <laughs> Usually, it is. Yeah, that's correct. If we could only figure out when that is on a consistent basis, <laughs> um, and so that's really what this DSE is about. It's a decision support engine. In other words, it takes dozens of indicators, mm-hmm. and it puts together this composite. And when 85% of the indicators uh, tell us that uh, the party is too close to being over, there's no point to put new money in the market. In fact, of the money you have in the market, you better use stop losses to protect yourself because the risk is extreme. That's a good thing to know. So here, you know, the big question people asking on financial TV, Wall Street Journal, wherever is, are we at a bottom? Is this it? You know, should I be buying? And the answer is, um, historically, as long as people are asking the question, is this the bottom? Should I be putting more money in? It's not the bottom. It's yet. not the bottom yet. They're, st- they're still clinging to that little bit of hope that it's like, okay, so it's actually, if I put this in here, it's going to magically come right back up. And I, I, I've been getting that question asked quite a bit frequently from a lot of people as well. When, when no one's asking, that's the bottom. When nobody wants to put more money in, they don't care what the story is, they're just not interested, it's, it's been too painful, mm-hmm. you're close to the bottom. So that's, that's really what we're looking for. Uh, exactly, and some of the key factors that we've been seeing, uh, a lot of the news and whatnot play a, play a part in that. And the politics play a part in that as well. So, you know, with, what I've been seeing is, you know, all of all of the the trends and whatnot are still going down. They're they're slowing down a little bit, but they're still going down. What do you mean? 
Well, from what I was seeing is, uh, the well, everybody ha- is trying to figure out where they're going to get the money to buy gas. Gas prices are still going up. So I've been seeing a lot of people honestly starting to, to cut back on their spending, Start uh, cut back on uh, the new cars, cut, cutting back on that new truck that they want. Uh, you know, pulling it back and actually sitting on the money in their bank accounts instead of actually putting it back out in the economy. Um, I'm actually one of them too because I'm starting to become more frugal with it because the, the rising cost is I'm not making any more money with it. So that that amount of money that I have, I'm actually being more more cautious of where it's going. So a really interesting thing happened <laughs> last week, and that is at some point, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, President Biden told the gas station owners that they should reduce prices at the pump. He basically said something like, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, uh, the big oil companies are not going to uh, reduce prices. So I'm calling on the gas ocean, the gas station owners to reduce, to reduce prices at the pump. So psychologically, um, it appears that when a topic is so prevalent, is so top of mind that it's literally coming out of our mouth, right. somewhat, somewhat uncontrollable, um, we're almost at a peak. So the, the fact that, that President Biden's on TV calling for that price reduction at the, at the Shell station owner tells us that gas prices are probably peaking if they haven't already or will be in the very near future okay. for, a temp- for a time period. For a time period, of course, which is unforeseen for how long it does or, you know, whatever criteria is met for it to, to subside. So now, now we'll go back to the investing. Since people aren't investing a lot more money into it because it's constantly going down, what does that mean for the stock market? Well, that's a great point. Um, so you just described a lessening in demand right Right. so price less demand prices go down same thing happens at home depot when when not everyone wants to pay fifty dollars for a sheet of plywood home depot lowers the price and when people will pay fifty dollars they'll keep prices higher they'll they'll cinch them up so um prices are coming down the question is are we at the bottom the answer is no not on a historical basis so what should I do with my money? Well, you shouldn't put it in yet because we're not at a bottom. Well, how will I know when we're at the bottom? Well, one thing we can listen for is when no one's talking about the market anymore, we'll be close. And that's probably at least a year to maybe 18 months from now. We haven't even got to the worst part of this correction or technically we're in a bear market. We haven't even got to the worst part of the bear market. How will we know when we're in the worst part of the bear market? It's going to be ugly, painful. If you remember um, March of 2020, when the Dow would go down 2,000 points, and the next day it would open up 500 points and close down 2,000 again, no bounce works. So when that starts to happen after several days of up open, even if it's big, up open that fails, down close, do that several days in a row. Um, we're getting close to the end of that particular down wave. So we're not there yet because, you know, we had a bad day a couple of, last week. I think one of the days was minus a thousand points on the Dow, but it wasn't minus a thousand, minus 500, minus 2000, minus 3000, like March of 2020 was. That was really scary. And when it got really bad and people stopped asking, should I buy? That was the bottom. Okay. Now, you you have brought up some excellent points here. I'm going to go with all of the stimulus money that's actually circulating from, from the past. Has that harmed or has that helped the market? There's never been more help given to a market than <laughs> our market has received, and actually markets around the world, in the past five years. Um, before COVID, the stimulus was ridiculous, okay. epic, historic. And then COVID kicked in and then it just went off the tracks. I mean, they they just printed money at an extreme 
as you can see, that the um, the trends of the market went from you know kind of moderate mm -hmm. to crazy, and as you can see, what happens at crazy, they come down crazy. They so we're we're just getting to the point where a lot of that COVID rally is coming or is about to come undone. Okay. Yeah. Because, well, if people are made one item that I do uh, associate that with is, you know, the, the workforce, the workforce that isn't working, doesn't have the money to put into the market. So with so many people out of the workforce right now, how is it, how can we get back on track with it with the, with the people that are working yeah um so one of the things that happens at the ends of extreme bull markets is that we not only think we're all geniuses and picking stocks because they've been going up right. but we're so smart we're going to borrow money that we don't have and put that in there because then we're going to make money on that and we'll pay the loans back and we'll have more wealth called margin or leverage, right? We borrow, right. people borrow from their houses, they borrow from their stock accounts. And um, that's end of trend thinking. That's the, no one borrows money at the major bottom, right? In 2009, when the financial system had almost gone under, nobody was borrowing money with the S&P at 650. Well, the S&P was just at 4,800 and everyone's borrowing money to put it in there. 8x times what it was in 10 years. We should be borrowing money, you know, backing up the truck, betting the farm, whatever that saying that you like to choose is at the low. That's when the money is made. But at the high, 4,800, no. However, the statistics show humans are humans and we love stuff when they're going up right. and we hate it when they're going down. So what, what, what can you do? Like your question was, well, with a lot of people not working, how's the market ever going to go back to right. previous highs? It might not. So that's a stumper, isn't it? it that is not. a very stumper there. You got me thinking on that one. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really expecting that, but it, it makes a lot of sense because inflation is going to go up too as well because of that, because there's going to be shortages, which we've seen from the 2020 issues. You know, we had a lot of shortages, shortages, one of them being toilet paper. Who would have ever thought that we would actually have a shortage on toilet paper and drive up the price three times? And then all of the other expenses that went up on top of that because people aren't working. So if we can't, what happens if it doesn't fix itself or if the workforce doesn't come back? What are we going to see in the market then? Is it still going to continue to plummet? Or is it going to level off where it is? And that's where it's going to stay. So think of it as a pendulum. As we know, I'm going to give you a graphic. Here's a pendulum. Mm -hmm. And a pendulum goes like this. Right. So it goes from one extreme, let's call that mania, to this extreme, let's call that depression. Okay. And a, a pendulum never goes like this. It never goes down and then back up. It never goes mania, neutral, mania. It goes mania to depression. Now, it could right. stay at mania for a long time, okay. which we have been, right? Remember that old thing that we haven't heard about in a long time called the business cycle, where yes. stuff would go up for two years, and then it would recede, and it, we'd have a recession for two years, and then an expansion, and that was this four-year cycle. Well, we haven't had a down cycle since 2009, right? We had a quick thing in 2020, 2015 and 16, we're kind of sideways, but we haven't had a good bear market since 07 to 09. So um, that pendulum needs to get all the way back over away from mania, which we just, you know, six months ago, we were still in mania. January is when the Dow and the S&P peak. And so here we've been declining in the economy and the market for six months or so. Mm -hmm. And we've, we rose previously for 13 years. So 13 years up and six months down, that's not really equal, is it? No, that's not equal at all, but it feels like an eternity once it does go down, even yeah. for the shortest amount of time. And a lot it, of people feel that. It does, it does. So here's what, um, here's what we do with our work. Um, the DSE's algorithms search the history of the markets going back 300 years. 
Okay. And we look for the, they're programmed to look for what we call if then patterns. If a certain pattern shows up, then a certain result is highly likely. Okay. So when we see a market that's gone along nicely and all of a sudden goes straight up, history shows that that's the if and the then is it has to uh, correct very sharply. Okay. So that's kind of where we are and we're in that pattern and um, we're not done yet. Along that path, there's typically a, a shock. There's a 40 to 50 percent initial decline that typically takes three to six months. That begins the bear market. That doesn't end it, though. And that's what we've just had. We've, you know, the S&P is down 20%, the Nasdaq's down 30%. It's about six months from the highs mm -hmm. and everyone's looking for the bottom. Well, we're close to a summer bounce, maybe uh, interim low. It might last two to four, five months. But once that bounce is complete, we're going down again. So how do you deploy money? How do you plan? all the cash that you might be saving, how to get that into the market. You have to have the bigger picture. And so you have to you know, kind of make notes on your desk, put a chart on your on your wall and say, part one of the bear market kind of ending this summer, the bounce part two of the bear market maybe ending in November. And then from November of this year for six to 12 more months, that's the final part of the bear, the bear market. And that's usually the really ugly part. If you remember um, in 2007, the market peaked in October. It fell into March. It then rose into May and everyone said, oh, thank God that's over. That was ugly. <laughs> well, from May of 08 to March of 09, it hit the fan and it got bloody. And that was the great financial crisis. Banks needed to be bailed out mortgages the, got foreclosed on right yeah, it, it mortgages almost, we had the car the car industry almost completely went yeah. out in the united states yeah you know that was that was scary yeah so now fast forward that uh, and we've had our initial decline and we're going to maybe have a little bounce and that bounce is going to put us back to where it kind of was in may of 2008 before 10 more months of really ugly uh, behavior, selling behavior, panic type behavior. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, people that have money in the market will do themselves and their money a favor if they use a bounce that might take place over the next few weeks to a couple months to lighten up on their stocks. So let's just take a number. Let's say Let's say we all own the the S&P 500 and nothing okay. else. So we're all down 20%. Well, if we get a chance where our portfolio, instead of being down 20%, is maybe down only 12, mm -hmm. we might want to take some off the table because okay. history shows the next leg down is how we get the S&P to down 50% Okay. or worse. All right. So... We, we wait for that bounce to actually go all the way down to the pits. And then once it hits that, wait a little bit and then invest into it. So it'll actually hit on the upswing. Yeah. So and so that's about a year to a year and a half from now. The okay. ultimate low is about a year to a year and a half out from now. Well, you say that now, but that year and a half, that's going to be here before we know it, whether we like it or not, because... I can remember it being January and we're already in July. You know, we're halfway through this. We're already halfway through this, this year, this fiscal year. So that's going to, you know, it's even though it, it feels like forever that we're seeing these down declines is it's only a, a blink of an eye, really. And you got to have a plan because if you're not ready for it, if, if, if no one like me and you are talking about it, then the S&P is going to show up one day down 50% and people are going to be thinking, what do I do now? I wish someone would have told me what to do when it was only down 15%. Well, here's that message. This is what we're talking about today. And that's exactly what this show is uh, to actually save some of that money, put it aside, invest it, use it to pay your bills off now early instead of waiting till when you actually uh, 
can't get the money out because it won't be there anymore. Great point. That brings up a great point. Interest rates are rising. Yes. If you have adjustable rate debt, if you have credit card debt, if you have uh, a mortgage that's about to um, readjust, right? you might want to pay it off. If you've got money earning almost nothing in the bank and stocks are risky, pay off your debt. And that is wonderful. You know, that is some of the best advice we can give right now because it's all about making money and trying to get out of the debt, especially when we're trying to find other ways to make money to do this. Uh, we have already went through the first half of the show already. Um, it feels like like seconds, actually a couple minutes only. And we've covered so many topics about the market, the bear market. We went through history quite a bit. And we're actually going to get into more of that history next and continue this discu uh, discussion with Ken Goldberg from DSE uh, Trading. And we're going to take a quick break, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, and we're going to continue this conversation. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, you are on the Making More Money for You show, Magnus Carter. Uh, in the first part of, the, of this show, we were talking about the market. How it's more how history has shown that resetting itself is quite normal, and seeing this downswing of events is is normal, um, normally expected to happen in the market because we're not used to seeing it because it, the market has been increasing so much over time, and we're finally seeing the end of that upswing and starting to come back down. And with me, I have a very special guest with me from DSE Trading, is Ken Goldberg. Ken, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Are we actually going to get a live caller to dial in? Oh, that would be amazing if we can get a live caller to dive in. Uh, sometimes we do, but uh, every now and then it's more or less on the back end of, of the show. We get comments on, on right. the show itself. That'd be fun. So, uh, anything's possible we, because we are live. So to continue our conversation of what we are talking about before is if you have the money now to pay off debt with variable rates, credit cards, bank loans, car loans, everything is, and the interest rates going up, even student loans. Student loans are constantly going up. Uh, when I graduated college, it was 2.75%. Now it's up over three and a half, I believe now it, and it's going up 
going up from here. Uh, so how much do you think would be wise to take out of investments to pay off of that? Just just a generalization for people, for someone yeah. out there that has it. Um, that's a great, that's a really great question. Of course, it depends upon everyone's situation. But, um, you know, if, if you're on, if you're using credit card financing, you're paying, what, 25, 29%, mm -hmm. um, as much of that as you can pay off, you should. Okay. Um, the, there's always another opportunity in the market. If you miss it today, there's going to be one tomorrow. And on a big scale basis, the next 12 to 18 months is likely going to provide the greatest buying opportunity that we will ever see again. Um, imagine that. Imagine if you could just be patient, keep your hands off the buy and sell <laughs> buttons and build up your cash, pay down your debt so that in a year, year and a half, you have this amazing buying opportunity. Kind of like, you know, 1980 in the stock market or 2002 after the Nasdaq crashed, after the, the dot-com bubble burst or 2009. Any of those periods of time would have been amazing if you were ready and then put every dime you had into the market. Imagine nobody would be listening to the show. Everyone would be in the Bahamas on their yacht. Um, so how much should you pay off? As much as you can, because down the road, however much you have left is going to be enough because the opportunity will be so great. I'm talking about 10 times. If, if you have your war chest, your firepower ready to go, and when the market finally does bottom, let's say late 2023, and you put some amount of money in, Let's say you put $10,000 in, you've paid off all your debt, you're comfortable, no sweat, you put in $10,000. 10 years later, that should easily be 100,000. If you put in 50, 10 years later, 500,000. So you do the math. It's a 10x opportunity, but you have to be ready. So if you're burdened with debt, if your stocks are in the toilet, if your current million dollar portfolio is a half a million mm -hmm. and your debt's massive, when the opportunity arrives, what are you going to be thinking? You're going to be thinking, oh, I can't afford to lose more. I've lost so much. So to take your mind into a more healthy space a year and a half from now, what do you have to do to get to that space now? Lessen your debt. Take the strain off your emotions and your money because we know that when humans mix emotions and money, bad things happen yes. often. So yes. get ready for this kind of buy of a lifetime, kind of, at least for people in their middle ages. I don't know, you look like you're young, but uh, guys <laughs> well, like- thank you for that. Guys like me, uh, this is the last, this is our last shot. So okay. get ready. Do okay, it. so getting ready for that. I, I know a lot of people are starting out on the investing and I've constantly get questions about, about actually starting the investing now. I told, I, I tell them to hold off that exactly what you were saying is pay off your debts uh, and, and get a budget plan in place. You know, budget your money and budget money for investing and just leave it there for when it's time to invest. Okay. So with with that is uh, a lot of people that I've talked to and I've written a book about it, about budgeting and mutual funds. Mutual funds is a safer bet because, as you know and I know, is there's multiple stocks, stock options in a mutual fund, and it lessens the blow in case one of them tanks. You have some some sort of recovery, and what what you were just saying is, uh, just wait on that. And I feel this. I feel the same way that you do, is that even that little bit of extra money that you don't touch, and we all have that uh, little voice in our brain says, "Well, I have this money over here." Well, I can go buy this quick and, st and replace the money later. But at, when later comes is that money is never there and you're back in the debt. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> if you're talking and I've been talking about people that have most of their wealth in the money in the market. And that's when the that's where the risk is, because the most of their wealth is going to go down. Mm -hmm. But if you're young, if you're in your 
18 to 30 range, this is the time when mutual funds become amazing because you can set up dollar cost averaging programs. The thing about waiting a year and a half to ideally grab the lowest possible price in the market is, I could be wrong. Been wrong before, guarantee I'm gonna be wrong again. So dollar cost averaging is a way to take um, the human brain, the emotional self that we all are, out of the picture. So here's an example. Let's say um, you pay off your debt and you find yourself with some amount of money. I'm going to say $25,000 or something like that. Let's say 24000 because I can do the math better. Okay. Over the next two, right, two years from now, we should be past the bottom. Right? We should have bottom and either do are doing nothing, waiting for the next up leg, or we should be in the next up leg. So ideally, if it were me, I would take my $24,000, divide it into 24, and every month for the next 24 months, put $1,000 in. Okay. So most people would say, yeah, but if it's gonna go down, I'm gonna lose money on my next 18 purchases. Well, what if the market only goes down for nine months? And you missed it. Turns out that missing a major bottom is hardly ever made up because of the reaction. So mutual funds are designed for dollar cost averaging. So that's how I would recommend people with um, that are starting out, paying off some debt. Doesn't take very much money if you can carve off a couple hundred dollars a week, a month couple thousand dollars a month, a quarter, whatever it is, I don't care, um, and get it in there. Don't worry about the price because you're trying to get through the next period of risk, which is 12 to 18 months. That's that's solid advice. And we've been, you know, stepping around this, this topic, and it was one of the topics you suggested when we started communicating is how why do we always make the same mistakes over and over again? How come we don't learn from this and actually see these signs from us that are actually been investing in this for a while or for multiple years? Yeah, well, we, we tend to like our, our, our flavor of coffee, right? <laughs> okay, right. Uh, so what happens is we get so invested in things that we know little about. Mm-hmm. For instance, <laughs> Let's take cryptocurrency. Uh, okay, that's you know, a great, let's that's a let's take topic. Bitcoin. A year ago, right? Bitcoin's flying. Uh, we'll just use Bitcoin, but all crypto is all crypto. similar, except for Bitcoin is the blue chip, and everything else is, you know, what they call a crap coin or whatever other <laughs> word you can think of. So um, people were investing in Bitcoin because it was going up. Mm-hmm. Most people that you ask. Well, tell me more about Bitcoin. Well, I don't know, but it's going up. Everyone I know is making a fortune. We get so involved in stuff, especially that we don't know about, that when the the, the scenario stops being perfect, when Bitcoin peaks at 70,000 and then falls to 20,000 and loses 70% in six months, we lose our mind. Right. And we, we freeze like a deer in the headlights. We don't know if we should go left or we see the trucks coming. We don't know if we should go left or right. Uh, so playing Frogger. <laughs> here we are in Bitcoin. Should I buy more or should I get out? Is it going to go to zero? Yeah, we just don't know. And the thing is, is that that's the problem with humans and emotion and money. Because think about it. If you want to go buy a couch and you go down to Macy's or wherever, and you see, oh, that thing was $4,000 and it's now $2,000. I'm buying that. Right. Whereas the, the stock market, the S&P is at $4,800. It goes to $2,400, 50% off sale. And we're freaked out. I don't know if I want to buy that. That'd be like saying, I don't know if I want half price on a couch. We have trouble. It's, it's less emotional to buy the couch, right? I'm going to buy the couch, right. go and sit on it, watch TV, you know have fun, watch some football games. But in the market, it's like, oh my God, I don't really get it. I never really got it. Turns out maybe I didn't understand it as well as I thought. I didn't take any time to learn about it. You know, I should have, but I didn't. And now I'm in trouble. The reason that we make the same mistakes is because we don't learn the first seven (laughs) times we made the same mistake. So the key is, is like I said at the beginning, there's two ways to learn a lesson. 
blood, or money. If you don't learn it the first time, the market will come around and offer to teach it to you again. If you don't learn it two or three times, it's coming around to teach it to you again. We, you know, we all get to decide how many times of the same lesson we want to learn. Oh, you're right. You're right on that part. Uh, now, now here's something that I've been contemplating with and I have mixed emotions about and heard different sides of this, this of the coin. Uh, the book, the Bitcoin, if you will. How is the the market, our economy, in general, uh, stock market investing, uh, the way we we use our normal fiscal money, changing when we take the money out of this market and put it again the cryptocurrency? It's getting more fragile. The 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 higher up on the risk scale we put our money in the market itself becomes more fragile. So think about it, you know, in the 60s, in the 50s and 60s, very few people had money in the market. Everybody had their money in the house. Right. And then as the market started to heat up in the 80s and the 90s, the 2000s, and, you know, the dot-coms, whatever, more and more people had money exposed to the market. And every few years, we take it up a notch. You know, we go to IPOs, we go to Bitcoin, Bitcoin, becomes not really exciting enough. We go to altcoins. Right. And, you know, it was a couple weeks ago that what's that altcoin Luna or something like that? It collapsed 99% overnight, mm -hmm. right? Because apparently the the uh, the math that was used to calculate whatever the relationship was, I don't I didn't get too into the story. It broke down. And so we end up literally lighting money on fire and burning it up. And that's money that can't go into the economy. Right. Yeah, you're so. right. Because that's, and when people ask me about that as well, it's like, okay, so I want to go invest in crypto. I'm like, okay, but do you realize you're taking your money out of what you know is actually going to, you can use here. And once it's gone over into that other, that world is it's gone. I'm like, you don't, you have the, impression that you have control over it but once it's gone it's gone there's no no getting that back yeah so and that's also true of risky stocks as well or ipos or companies that don't have um longevity you know i mean it's great to to, to uh invest in tesla you know that has mm -hmm. a total of i don't know 20 years of history but that's not general motors who has 120 years of history. Right. It's not Ford, it's Tesla. Is it going to work for Tesla? We'll see in, a, in another 20 or 30 years. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, uh, when we take our enthusiasm um, and our desire to become rich to an extreme, we tend to uh, learn a painful lesson. It's great to have the desire, but right slow is a better path to keep money than fast if you give it back and the faster track is the next crypto thing that's they're trying to make big is nfts non-fungible tokens yeah. and pictures and uh media media in general that i'm going to invest three hundred dollars or three hundred thousand dollars in this picture that i can Say it's like, ooh, it's a pretty picture. <laughs> yeah, so imagine IPOs. Okay, we took it up a notch to Bitcoin. We took that up a notch to altcoin. Now we're taking that up a notch to NFTs, which are, anyone can make them. So yeah. there's unlimited supply, which means if you have massive supply and little demand, you have prices that go down. It's down. So investing in an NFT that anybody else can make is a bad idea. And as you can see, there's there's actually an NFT index and uh, you can see they've just crashed. Well, I wasn't aware of that. I, I've started, I kind of look at the NFTs, but I kind of wanted to stay away because if I get intrigued with it, I don't want to end up experimenting with money. <laughs> and, I, and I've been staying away and staying more <laughs> logical. Don't go there. <laughs> Don't go. I mean, it's if you think about, you know, uh, in, the, in the last couple months, um, 
the head of uh, Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, Facebook, now Meta, right? Talking yep. about the metaverse and how we're going to own property and have farms in the metaverse. That's thinking that only arrives at peaks of mania at extremes rarely seen in history, right? So right. our current physical world, we're, we've given up on that. So let's now go play in this meta world, metaverse. No, we need to go fix the physical world, right? There's bridges that need to be fixed. There's air that needs to be cleaner. There's stuff that needs to happen. So um, the desire for humans to reach out of our own world happens at ends of large scale bull markets. So this is typical thinking that we can track for ends of bull markets, which tells us that the pendulum swing mm -hmm. to kind of bring equilibrium back to the system, it's going to hurt. It could, it could cause some pain. It can cause, well, with that in mind, how are influencers taking a toll? How are influencers actually influencing the market? You mean like those meme stocks and, and the stuff meme like stocks uh, that try to get to invest in this and try to get to invest in yeah. you know that and our lovely commercials on the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know the 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 moving QR codes. I can't stand QR codes, honestly, yeah. outside of what they're designed for. Yeah. Um, Again, at the end of a um, expansion, not just of price and business, but an expansion of, of human mood. If you think about it, you know, there's 8 billion people on the planet and 3 billion of us are lucky enough to be in a stable enough living environment where we can invest, right? 5 billion people or more just don't have good lifestyles. So let's just right. count the gifted 3 billion we think and act together. We act as a unit, as a herd, as a crowd, and our crowd psychology feeds on itself. Mm -hmm. um, and when we're giddy, when we're just making money left and right, our job is good, our house is paid off, we borrowed against our house, we got a second house, you know, we're driving brand new pickups or whatever, everything's good. The dog is good, everybody's good we look to people that have it even better, right? Right. Influencers, billionaires, rock stars, rappers, whatever. Social media. Social media. So if they're if they've got a secret, even though I don't know many rap stars that are really well educated in the market, but you know, if they post an NFT or what crypto they're in, all of a sudden five hundred million people are doing the same thing. Exactly. That only lasts until the bubble pops. And We've just entered a bear market. It's the worst first half of a year since in, in, in 52 years, which means that this is the biggest potential bear market in 52 years. So let's look at some of the past bear markets in the past 52 years. 07 to 09, that didn't feel very good. No. 2000 to 2002, you know, the NASDAQ lost 80%. 1987, that was ugly. So there's some big bear markets and we are potentially in a bigger one. We need to get a we need to get a grip, buckle the seatbelt and hoard yeah. cash, hoard liquidity, gather our assets, prepare, you know, the biblical thing, seven years of feast, seven years of famine. Well, we've been 13 years of feast since 2009. Right. We got to give it a couple of years of famine. So we got to get ready because at the end of that, we want to be able to buy cheap assets, like how cheap. You were probably thinking, well, how cheap, Ken? Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's uh, a great question. We're going to be able to buy assets at pennies on the dollar. Think of 25 cents on the dollar. Think of the $100,000 car for $30,000. Think of the million-dollar house for $350,000. Those deals will be had to those that have cash. And a select few will be able to do that. And I missed on the last one because of over-investing. And I, I learned my lesson on that one, especially in the dot-com era. There you go. So, And with you're saying that is this last thing that's been coming around, I've been looking for the investments. And I have 
uh, been doing exactly what you're saying. And it's, and it's been it's a better position to be in now than it was back then when you're trying to scrape money to to figure out how you're paying your bills and how yeah, you're doing that. That's not a comfortable feeling. Absolutely not. Think about you know how empowering it would be for us to pay off our bills, put some money aside, and have a plan that oh I'm actually going to benefit by a, a big market correction rather than being fully invested and be fearful. Oh, my God, this is killing me. I can't even get me out of here. It's a whole different paradigm. And, it, and you go from one of um, emotional distress to one of emotional empowerment. And out of that empowerment, you have the ability to make better decisions, more objective right. decisions. That's more confident. More, more confidence. Decisions. Because you have the power, it's where over the years, as you've been saying, is we're what well, we actually have to close on this is uh, the buying power belongs with the customer, not the supplier. Because Definitely. we because we ha we're the ones giving our hard money, our earned money, and our invested money into products, not the other way around. Yeah. And I we can one major thing we've seen is the car industry. They won't budge on. I remember when buying a car where they would beg you and do whatever they can to sell you that car underneath market value. And now they're actually not going because sticker price is at least 15% over, over what they pay, minimal. And they're not budging. They're actually adding on taxes because they can't get any cars. That's not my problem that you can't get the cars. I, I am wanting the service for that. Yeah, totally. So, Ken. I appreciate your time here. It's we got to wrap the show up. I'm very, um, I love the conversation. It was very informative. We covered a lot of different topics. Uh, for the listeners out there that want to follow Ken or actually see about more information that Ken has to offer, uh, how can we contact you? How can my listeners uh, find out where you're at or um, your social media links or however yeah. we can contact? You can visit uh, dsetrading.com. You can email me at ken at dsetrading.com and let me know what you need. And, you know, if you look around our website, we have services for kind of beginning investors. We have services for very advanced investors. And let me know what we can do. We're happy to help. Ken, that is wonderful news. And uh, we're very both busy men. I thank you for taking the time out of your day to bring content and great information to the listeners here at Making More Money for You and Voice America. Uh, this is Magnus Carter. Uh, that's it for the show this week. So uh, next week I have, it's only going to be myself. I do have some ins and outs on the cryptocurrency and it's going to be a story time type of show. And with summer around, make sure you get outside and spend some quality time with your family and turn off the tech for a while. You know, a little good unplugging makes better decisions in the long run. Ken, thank you once again for being on the show. Glad uh, to be here. And this is Magnus Carter. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.